when you picked her up for that very first date. How excited you were when he decided to propose. When you decided to propose. And the day you were standing in the church across from your soon-to-be husband. Reciting the vows we've heard a million times. No couple goes into marriage thinking it's going to be tough. Your marriage is going to be different. Special. Anything but ordinary. But over time, we drift, and our marriages become ordinary. Characterized by dissatisfaction, stale love, and misunderstanding. It's the place where we stop fighting for extraordinary. But God's vision for your marriage is way beyond ordinary. And the process of restoring hope and renewing life to your relationship is possible. What if one evening could be the catalyst to restoring hope and renewing the passion of what you dreamed marriage could be? We're Justin and Trisha Davis, and we invite you to join us on the Refine Us Tour. An evening created to transform your heart and the heart of your marriage. You can choose to go beyond ordinary because a good marriage is a good marriage doesn't have to be good enough. We look forward to joining you on this journey. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint. And we have an extraordinary opportunity coming up this next weekend for this Beyond Ordinary Marriage Conference. Justin and Tricia Davis are amazing. Uh, you could Google them and see some of the things they've done on YouTube and things. And this is a marriage conference. If you got a great marriage, this will make it better. If you got some, uh, if you feel like you've gotten kind of stuck in a rut and you need some help with romance, they got a million tips. And this is a uh, an absolutely marvelous conference coming up uh, Friday night and Saturday morning. And so six o'clock Friday night and that evening, and then. Saturday morning, it will be finished by noon. Best investment of an evening and a morning I can possibly recommend. Debbie and I are excited to be a part of it, and I hope if you haven't signed up already, you will today. So I wanted to let you know that's coming up. We are talking about, and you get great wisdom here, and that ties into what our series is. Uh, we are talking about wisdom, and we're calling it Smart Life. So inside your bulletin, you'll find the topic for today of smart parenting. And by the way, um, one of the best tips of smart parenting is to have a great marriage, uh, to model that for our kids. But the idea behind the whole smart series is we want to learn from God how to have the best life possible. If you need a pen, uh, please uh, raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring one to you so you can fill in the blanks and take some notes. And you're going to want to take some notes on this, uh, even if you don't have kids right now. Uh, a lot of the Proverbs that you'll see are written in here to, from Solomon to his son, uh, tell him about having kids one day, or they're written directly to his son saying, hey, these are things you need to know today. And so this is great advice if you're a new parent. It's great advice if you're a grandparent. It's great advice if you have nephews, nieces, or you know anybody else who has children. So anyway, it's great advice. And uh, the idea behind uh, the whole smart series is this. We live in a day now when we have smartphones and smart cars and smart houses now, I was laughing the other day. A friend of mine took me for a ride in his car, and he had uh, so much gadgetry in the car. I mean, it tells him when he can change lanes. It controls his speed. If he gets too close, it slows him down. And I was going, he goes, what do you think of his car? I go, that is a smart car. And uh, I told him about my first car, and the gas gauge didn't even work. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just would drive 200 miles and fill it up. It was a dumb car. Anyway, uh, and you might go, well... <laughs> It was the owner. Okay, anyway, uh, it was all I could afford, but that car didn't have a lot of smarts. Uh, this car that my friend had, man, it was amazing to drive it. Now, think if I had a chip like that that I could implant in my brain about raising kids. You know, his car would tell him if he got too close or if he was going too fast. 
or if he was drifting lanes. Can you imagine if we had that in our brains? Hey, you need to speak up. Hey, you need to discipline your kids. Hey, you need to step, you need to step back. You don't need to say anything. Can you imagine if you could just download an app? Well, I don't have that for you, but I do have wisdom from God's Word. And the wisdom in God's Word, when we meditate on it, it'll change our lives. I'm going to go right into point A, and then we're going to have a word of prayer, and you'll see why I'm waiting to pray until after the first point. Point A, Solomon was the smartest man who ever lived. He was. First Kings 3, uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. He had just become king. King David had died. Solomon took over the throne. And God said to Solomon, what do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, O Lord my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. If you'd underline that, please. So give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom and governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you have asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And that's Solomon. Smartest guy ever lived. We know that because God gave him that kind of wisdom. Now here's a life application for you and me. We can ask God for wisdom too. And instead of we, put your name in there. I'm putting, in mine it says, John can ask God for wisdom too. This was not a limited time offer. It was not a one-shot deal. Solomon's the only one who can ask. The rest of y'all just need to know that. This, we can all get wisdom. In fact, James 1.5 tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So often in life we scratch our heads. We don't know uh, what we're supposed to be doing in our marriages. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing with our parenting. What do we do? And I kid you not, People are amazed that many times when they come and talk to me, I'll stop in the middle of a meeting and go, we're going to pray right now. And they go, is it over? I go, no, you can pray besides just the end of a meeting, okay? Or the beginning of a meal. We can pray all day long. And if we don't know what to do, the smart thing to do is pray. So we're going to pray right now and ask God to give us wisdom, something that we even need to hear today. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, today I need wisdom. There's not a person in here who doesn't need wisdom. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak. You'll move me out of the way. We're going to focus on parenting today. But there is wisdom in here for people who are parents now, people who are grandparents, people who will be parents one day. There's wisdom in here for teenagers today. There's wisdom. And, God, I pray that you will communicate it to us, and I pray that we will have the attitude that Solomon had when he said, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. The one thing that will block all the wisdom you want to give us today is pride and stubbornness. So, Lord, keep that far from our hearts. Open our eyes to what you want us to see, our ears to what you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Now, not only was Solomon the smartest man who lived, but here's point B. Solomon wrote many proverbs in order to pass on the wisdom God gave him. One of the things that Solomon was wise about he was wise enough to realize, hey, I'm not going to live forever. I need to write some of this stuff down. And a very effective way of communicating wisdom is through Proverbs. Proverbs are just short, easy-to-remember little sayings that contain a nugget of wisdom. Because you can write them on a business card if you wanted to. You could memorize them. You can tumble them around in your head. Little sayings. And some of the Proverbs, when you read through them, it's like they're hard to figure out. I mean, they're real head-scratchers. And that's on purpose. 
Because Solomon wanted you to scratch your head over that and to think about it again and again. Listen to what he said, opening of Proverbs. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom, discipline, and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair. Since God had given them all this wisdom, the smartest man who ever would live, ever had lived, ever would live, how am I going to pass it on? most effective way I know to do it is through these little sayings that you can say over and over and over again. Tumble them around. You do this, you'll become wise. In fact, that's the life application there. You and I will gain wisdom if we meditate on God's Word. Now look, a Bible does no good on the shelf. That wisdom isn't going to seep in by osmosis while we sleep. That's not going to happen. But if we meditate on God's Word, hmm, That's like inserting that chip in your brain because all of a sudden the thoughts of God become your thoughts. And the way to do it is by meditating on it over and over again. Solomon Solomon again. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple. They'll give knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. We're going to have to listen to them. We're going to have to explore them. We're going to have to ponder them because these are written like riddles sometimes. What does that mean? Hmm. And if I'm sitting there thinking about this, that's exactly what Solomon wanted. Wise people know that that is an effective way to teach. Now look, I hope you also saw in here, hey, that let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser still. I mean, that's the thing about wisdom. You can never have too much of it. Wisdom's like cash. Hey, you want some cash? No, I got way too much. Who says that? No, no, it's just falling out of my pockets. I don't even have a play. I'm just burning this stuff to keep warm. Okay, nobody has that problem. Hey, you want some wisdom? Nope. The only people who reject wisdom, the Bible calls them fools. Say, no, I'm smart enough. Mm. You just told me you're not near as smart as you think you are. Who can't learn more? We all can. And here's a life application, a little more on that life application. Psalm 119, Solomon's father David said, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. So Solomon had heard this since he was a boy. And when he was writing instructions to us, he's going, Hey, think about these over and over again. These are written, some of these are written like riddles, so you'll have to tumble them around. It's okay. Meditate on them. Now look, in this series, we've talked about Tommy Green a couple weeks ago, talked about the fact that we need to guard our hearts. Um, Last week we talked about that we need to control our tongues. There's wisdom in the Proverbs about tongues. This time we're talking about parenting, about passing on wisdom to the next generation. That was terribly important to Solomon. In fact, he cared greatly. A lot of the Proverbs, a lot of the chapters in Proverbs, the first series of chapters in Proverbs all start with warnings to my son, my son, my son, because Solomon especially cared that he wanted to pass on his wisdom to the next generation. He didn't want them to be foolish, his kids. So inside your bulletin, you'll find four habits of smart parents. Number one is this, smart parents pass on the wisdom God has given them. You pass on what you have. I mean, you can't pass on what you don't have, but why wouldn't I want to pass on what I have? Wisdom is gained by experience. The school of hard knocks, it's also gained by learning from others. Well, I would want my children to learn from me. 
Direct your children onto the right path, Proverbs 22, 6. And when they're older, they will not leave it. I mean, train up, in the child, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Another translation of the same verse. This is the way he should go, not the way he would go on his own, but the way he should go. That's why we have to put him on the right path. The Bible makes it very clear that we have a sin nature in each one of us, and we're left to ourselves. We're going to make a wrong choice a lot of times. That's just going to happen because we're sinners and we're selfish. And with children, if we think, hey, children will just raise themselves, they'll automatically learn to be, they'll learn to share their toys with others. They'll learn to be patient. They'll learn to be generous and kind and fair all by themselves. Yeah, think again. And so the Bible tells us we've got to direct our children on this path. My child, eat honey, for it's good, and the honeycomb is sweet to the taste. In the same way, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you'll have a bright future, and your hopes will not be cut short. You know, that's what I want for my kids. I want a bright future. I mean, you take some honey. Mmm, that is sweet. And in Proverbs 24, it reminds us here, it's like, if honey is sweet to the taste, wisdom is should be that sweet to your soul. Seek wisdom. Just like you'd want something that tastes good, you want more of that, well, get more wisdom. Why would you fight against this? I'm investing in you because I want to show you the right way to go so you'll have success. You'll have a bright future and your hopes won't be smashed. Because you make foolish choices, that's when your dreams will never become reality. But if you make wise choices, that's great. In fact, that's the way we even talk still today. When my sons make a wise choice, when they finish their college education, they've studied hard and made good choices and applied themselves, they get a reward or they're honored at their workplace where they meet the right gal and they treat her right and we've prayed together about all that, I go, sweet. And I should say Proverbs 24. And that would be weird. But anyway, uh, but I could, 2414, my sons, that is Sweet. It is sweet to the taste to see them make good choices. That's what I want for my kids. One day, that's what I want for my grandkids. And for those of you who are teenagers here, it's what your parents want for you right now. They want you to have success. They want you to have a bright future. Who wants their kids to struggle in life? Nobody I know. So smart parents pass on the wisdom God has given them. What wisdom has he given you? What can you pass on? If you're not sure, that's one of the things to pray about. Say, Lord, would you show me that? What can I pass on? Well, point two tells us one thing we all need to pass on. And that's this. Smart parents teach their children to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord. What do I mean by fear the Lord? Fear of the Lord in the Bible means an attitude of awe and reverence for God that results in willing, humble obedience to his word. You could write the word dependence. I depend on God more than anything else. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, Proverbs 1.8. I just picked three uh, from chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. I could have kept going uh, in uh, Proverbs because fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. And so Solomon was true to his word in this. He incorporated it over and over again. Proverbs 2. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. 
Search for them as you would for silver. Seek for them like hidden treasures. And then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord. There it is. And you'll gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I mean, this is what James was referring to when we prayed a minute ago. Fear the Lord is recognizing that the Lord is the fountain of wisdom. And my greatest fear would be to drink from some other fountain. Because if I follow the Lord and I follow his advice, it will always be right and it will always be good. He made me. He loves me. And the last thing I would ever want to do is get out of sync with him. Proverbs 3. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, say it with me, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, am I going to go God's way or am I going to go my way? To fear the Lord means I'm more afraid of getting out of step with God than anything else that could possibly happen to me. But you understand why this has to be taught over and over again. There are a lot of other things that we fear. And even though we could have God's word, black ink on white paper, telling us exactly what to do in his word, we go, yeah, but then my friends might laugh at me, or I might not be invited to this party, or I might experience this or that or the other thing, and I'm not sure I can trust that. So I'm really going to fear uh, rejection from my friends. I'm really going to fear an outcome that God has promised me that he'll take care of. I'm really going to fear whatever it is. And so I turn my back on the very thing that God wants me to do. And what Solomon is reminding his son of here, or of his children here, he goes, never forget what I've taught you. Trust the Lord and his commands. Every time we trust the Lord and we walk under his guidance, he will guide us along the best pathway for our lives. I remember when I was a kid, my dad um, and I had a conversation when I was a teenager. I don't know, it was just, I don't know exactly what I had said to my mom or to him, but it was pretty much, uh, you know, rebellious and talking about my own opinion. And my dad was a man of few words. And a lot of people can't believe that <laughs> because obviously uh, I talk too much. Anyway, so, um, but my dad really, he said very few words. And so when he listened, Everybody always talked. And I remember he, I was having some confrontation with my mom, he and my mom, and he said, John, come outside with me for a little bit. And so we were outside on my dad's farm, and he said, John, I want you to understand something. I love you, and you're a good kid, and um, I like to give you as much freedom, as much rope as I can. But I don't want you to ever betray my trust. I'm your biggest supporter, and I'll help you. But don't, don't ever betray that trust. Tell us the truth and respect us. You know, I never forgot that conversation. It's one of the things I've carried on with my own sons. I want them to respect me and trust me and never betray the trust that I've put in them. And I will tell you, when there were decisions that came up later on in my life, when I went off to college and other things, and if I thought this would bring shame or anger to my parents, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I was in fear of breaking that trust with my dad and my mom. If you understand that, that's God's heart on this. I love you. I mean, my dad loved me, and he did. My mom loved me. She did. She loved me a lot. But that's nothing compared to how much the Lord loves us. 
Do you know that God loved you so much he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins? So do you ever believe in him but have everlasting life? And not only everlasting life when we die, but a rich, full, abundant life while we're here. Why would we not fear getting outside of that protective will of God more than anything else? And if you understand that logic, then you understand Solomon. My son, this wisdom came from God. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Consider yourself a little child who doesn't know his way around. My son, if you ask God for wisdom, he will gladly give it. But stay away from anything that will pull you off that path. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because the Lord is the fountain of wisdom. Now I know you can say, well, well, how do I teach the fear of the Lord? Well, that's the life application here. Fear of the Lord is caught as well as taught. What do I mean by that? I mean what it says in Deuteronomy 6. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away, on a journey, when you're lying down, when you're getting up again. The idea is live out your faith in front of your kids. Let them see how you pray. Let them see how you say thank you to God for his blessings. Let them see how you confess your sin when you blow it. I mean, our kids will catch on. I mean, that's the way we even talk. Hey, just hang around them. You'll, you'll catch on. They do catch on. I don't have to be a great theologian. I just have to repeat these things over and over again at the right time. I just need to live out my faith in front of my kids, and they'll see it. I uh, loved it once when my sons broke a bone in his hand playing Little League and uh, Dixie League baseball. And we went straight to uh, Prime Ed and we're getting uh, his hand x-rayed and other things. And we went straight there and I was, his hand was swelling up. It was a lot of pain. And we were in the waiting room before we went in uh, uh, to an examination office there. And um, my son grabbed me. He goes, Dad, we came straight here. We haven't prayed yet. I was going, oh. Because I'd always told him, hey, we always pray. Whenever we're afraid, we pray. He goes, Dad, we haven't prayed yet. We've got to pray. And so we prayed that we'd get a good doctor and they'd know what to do and we'd get it taken care of. And after we pray, he goes, okay, we're good. Do you know my son still, still calls me? I mean, that son does. All my sons do. They call me when they have a big test, when they have an opportunity at work, when they have a relational problem. Dad, would you pray with me, please? We taught them that when they were little. It never stops. But I didn't sit there and remind them of that. Hey, pray every day. Pray about everything. I don't. They saw it. They know it. And they know if they call me, that I'll pray with them right then. That stuff's caught as well as taught. And that's important for you and me. And that's what it means to teach our children to fear the Lord, to live out our lives in front of them. Again, <laughs> that's why it matters what kind of marriage we have. I mean, if I'm living out love for my spouse, I want my kids to see that. Three, smart parents discipline their children. They discipline their children. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Spare the rod, spoil a child. That's where it is in the Bible, right there, Proverbs 13, 24. You spare the rod of discipline, you hate your kids. Well, I just don't want to make them upset. 
Well, no, they're already upset. And everybody else is getting upset. It's how we're going to respond to it. Discipline your children while there's hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. Hey, if my kids don't learn discipline and respect at home, and they have to learn it at their first job, the consequences are going to be high. I mean, remember, the school of hard knocks, I can either learn discipline from my parents, I can learn wisdom from my parents, or I can learn it from my first boss. With the first boss, it will probably come with a pink slip. I can learn respect from my parents, or I can learn it from a police officer. And if I learn it from a police officer, it might come with either a huge ticket or a pair of handcuffs. What's it going to be? Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. So I'm going to learn, if I don't learn discipline and wisdom at home, and I learn it at the hands of a bully, because I learned to sass everybody who told me anything that was wrong, and all of a sudden they get to high school, and the first person they meet, and they lip off to the wrong person, pow. Well, how could I have prevented that? Well, we could have disciplined them when they were young. You could save their life. And what parent wouldn't want to do that? And that's why Solomon said these things. Now, I can't ever talk about discipline unless I give you three C's of effective discipline. They're up at the top right on your outline there. And the first is communication. I have to clearly communicate my expectations. Here's what I expect of you. Here's what I want you home. Here's what I expect you to do with the car. Here's the chores I expect you to do. If they don't know what I expect, I have no right to be upset with them. I also need to clearly communicate that I love them. These are my expectations. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this to help you. My wife and I have taught our sons to answer from young on, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Please and thank you. To meet people, look them in the eye while you shake their hand. Why? I've never seen anybody rejected from a job interview for being polite. That's going to only help them. Where are they going to learn it? If I communicate, son, this is how you do that. Let me show you what I expect. Second thing is consequences. Appropriate consequences. Home 15 minutes late. You're grounded the next 11 years. Great. So we're really going to do this for 11 years? No. Well, why do we say stuff like that? That's not appropriate. And then the next time, we don't even notice. What? Well, appropriate consequences are we've thought about this. My wife and I would always hang around people who were five years older than us or had kids older than ours, and we'd ask them about the next stage that was coming up. We'd pick their brain. Well, how do you handle this and how do you handle that? We'd read books on parenting. Well, my wife would read books and then she'd highlight the parts I was supposed to read. (laughs) Guilty. Okay. But we did. And we learned from those things how to handle those situations so we would have appropriate consequences. And then every now and then we're raising our kids. We'd never talked about it with anybody. It wasn't anything we'd read. We didn't know what to do. So we'd tell our kids, go to your room, do your homework. Your mom and I are going to meet. Why? We don't know how to handle this. We're going to find out. Or we'll get back to you on Monday. And then we'd talk to people. We'd go look it up. And we'd go, oh, that is a good way to handle it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Why? 
Because I wasn't just punishing them in anger. I'm trying to discipline them so they won't do that again. And sometimes that takes thought and prayer and counsel. And by the way, every one of our kids is different. Has anybody ever discovered that too? That what worked for the first kid doesn't work for the second one? Or the third one? Yeah, I was number six. My mom was just out of options by the time I came along. Okay, anyway. All right. And the third one is consistency. Am I consistent? That not only does it, is it a federal offense one time and no big deal the next. No, no, no. It's always the same. But also that was the same between me and Debbie for our kids, between my wife and I. I mean, kids are smart. And if mom's a soft touch, they're going to play that for all it's worth. You know they will. I did. And kids are smart. Some of you teenagers in here go, oh, I'm exposed. Okay, anyway, no. Uh, no, the point is, everybody knows this. So we have to be consistent because it was always Team Schmidt here. And we're a team. We stand together. And if we don't know what to do, like I said, we go talk about it until we are on the same page. And our kids need to see this. Our kids need to see us communicate. The consequences are consistent and they're realistic. And if we do that, they'll embrace it. In fact, life application here, for all the folks who are still living, if you're still living with your parents under their roof, smart kids understand that this is necessary. Solomon, to his son, my son, only a fool despises parents' discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. I mean, this is an option. You're either going to learn it on your own or you're going to learn it here. Learn it from me. That's my desire. I shared it last week. I share it with my kids all the time. Don't pay the stupid tax twice. I've already paid it. And the reason I'm giving you this discipline is I want to keep you from making the same mistakes I made. Learn. So smart parents pass on the wisdom God's given them. That's what we're talking about here. They teach kids to fear the Lord. They know it's caught more than taught, or as much, at least as much as taught. They discipline their kids. And finally, fourthly, smart parents help their children choose good friends. It's important. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers hard. I mean, that is so true. And here's the truth that goes beyond when we live in our parents' home. Do you know that applies after you're 18? He who walks with the wise grows wise. Companion of fools suffers harm. I mean, that's a clever little saying that you can tumble over and over again. Next time you don't know, hey, should I be hanging out with this person or not? Hmm. Is this going to make me wise or is this going to bring me harm? My child, listen and be wise. Proverbs 23, keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons. They're on their way to poverty, and too much sleep clothes them, clothes them in rags. Proverbs 4. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Yeah, I just wish this was clear. This is so vague. No, it's, it is clear. Turn away and keep moving, for evil people can't sleep until they've posted their evil deeds on their Facebook page. I mean, it would work, wouldn't it? They can't rest until they've caused someone else to stumble by posting a dirty picture or by taking the Lord's name in vain. 
or by sharing gossip that other people don't even know. I mean, friends counts Facebook friends too. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. This is the heart of a father going, no, no, no. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Follow his ways. Wicked people are stumbling around the dark. They don't even know where they're going. And the farther they get into the dark, the more confused they get. Don't hang around them. Now, in order to apply all the things that we've been talking about here, one of the things uh, I like to do whenever I'm talking about parenting is talk about three roles of parents as our kids age and mature. And this is terribly important. Because if we don't understand this, then a lot of times we won't know how to apply discipline effectively or won't know how to teach our kids effectively at the right time. And there are three roles, and this is a little graph. You've got some white space at the bottom of your outline there. And if you could draw just a little graph on the vertical axis, just 0 to 100%. On the horizontal axis, just from birth. And I put 22. And the whole idea here is this one... This is just a target age. It could be 23 or 19 or whatever, but it, when kids leave home. Because that's the goal for my children. I want them to leave home. I do. I tell them that often. The goal is for you to leave and mom to stay. That's the goal. I'm preparing you to leave, to go start your own home. I want your mom to stay with me. We were together before you were born. We're going to be together after you leave, Lord willing. And we want it that way. We want you to come home for Christmas and holidays and visit in between, but we want you to go set up your own home. We want you to leave. And so in order to help them do that, there are three roles as a parent that I need to assume. The first is that of being a cop. When my kids are young, 100% of my role as a parent right after they're born is I'm 100% cop. I got to keep them from drinking the Drano, from falling down the stairs, i got to keep them from eating every single thing in front of them. So do you. And they'll do it. But as the kids grow and mature, by the time they're 22, well, that role has to be transitioned over to them. They have to be able to police themselves. Every now and then you hear a horror story of somebody who's still being a cop for a kid off of college. We call them helicopter parents. Moms waking their 20-year-old kid up to make sure he gets up and goes to class. Dad's calling a professor because their son or daughter didn't get the grade they wanted on a, on a college paper. I even read now there are some parents who go with their kids to their first job interview. That should make your hair stand on end. Okay? That role should have been over a long time ago. But we all start out as cops. The next thing we do is we transition from there into being a coach. Well, I'm coaching my kids on, on how to do things. And I'm going to draw that more like an arc. And I'm going to put the zenith of that about age 16 or so when I'm teaching my kids to drive and I'm teaching them to date. I mean, a cop stays right on top of their kids making sure, you know, we pray the kids will walk. And then when they walk, we go, oh, Lord, now they're starting to run. Okay, and we're just trying to chase after them, make sure they don't run out in front of traffic, make sure they're doing all this stuff. That's what we're doing. Well, as they get older, it turns to a coach. I'm not following around. I'm standing on the sideline telling them what to do so they can do it without me. I mean, this is taking the training wheels off. That's a coach. 
Well, here when they're 16, I'm literally sitting beside them in the car. Turn left, turn your blinker on, slow down, turn in here, parallel park. Oh, this is going to take a while. Okay, all that. But that's how we coach them. We've got to coach them how to date. We've got to coach them to a whole lot of things. That's good. And that's my role as a dad. But again, if I'm doing that, when my kids are supposed to be out on their own, I don't need to be telling them, hey, do this, do that. They need to be able to do that on their own eventually. And discipline happens in both these roles. Every coach I had disciplined me like crazy. Drop and give me 20. Hey, if you're going to show up late, you're going to run till I get tired. My coaches did that. So as a parent, I disciplined my kids to keep them from falling into things. I disciplined my kids to make sure they're doing the right things. But ultimately, finally, there's one final role, and that has to be the role of counselor. As a parent, my role as a cop and my role as a coach, it's going to come to an end. But my role as a counselor, I want that to continue forever. I want my kids to call me, not only when they need prayer, when they need advice. Hey, Dad, my car isn't starting. What should I do? Dad, what do I need to do about this? Hey, Dad, can you pray for me? Dad, I'm kind of nervous about something. I want that forever. But you have to understand that if you and I are going to work this and we're going to have effective discipline and we're going to have effective communication, well, these roles come in different phases. It doesn't mean that if my kids wanted me to coach them on something after this that I couldn't, or if they asked me to hold them accountable, but they have to ask. Over here, if they're still under my roof, we're doing it this way. I'm getting you ready to leave. So let's think about this. If I'm going to do these things and be a good counselor to my kids, if I'm going to coach them in the right way and teach them the fear of the Lord, well, I'm going to need God's help, and so will you. That's why this all applies to all of us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, beginning of wisdom. Can we pray? Lord, I can't do this without you. I cannot be an effective parent. I can't be an effective husband. I can't do this without your help, not the way I should. And, Lord, I don't want to just learn by the school of hard knocks. I want to learn wisdom from your word. I want to learn wisdom from other people. And so, God, I'm asking that you would give me wisdom and give me a wise and discerning heart. Just like Solomon, I'm like a little child that doesn't know his way around. If the Lord spoke to you about anything today, maybe it was about consistency. Maybe it was about consequences. Maybe it was about communication. Maybe it's about fearing the Lord or listening to your parents or making sure you're unified with a spouse and discipline. Whatever it is, the Lord spoke to you about something. You say, Lord, I heard you. And give me the courage to obey and the strength to get it done. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.